This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM. You were singing. Drip, drippity, drop. I'm done now. Okay, thank you. Now you're done. Um, if you guys are just tuning in, my name is Selena Hill. I'm here with Jason Mitt Romney Arrigio. Oh, damn. I'm getting new names. I'm getting Yo, Illuminati, Mitt Romney. Just oh, wait. I'm see, sorry. Look, did you see the shade? The, I saw, the lights got blocked for a you, second. I'm telling you, they dimmed out for a second. But <laughs> Lord, it's, it's, it's all love. It's beautiful. It's, uh, we were talking about Mitt Romney during the break, so that's what? why I called Jason Mitt Romney. Because he voted for him. What Jesus is going on in here, Selena? And Stanley Fritz is here as well. Um, right, so speaking of that, we just wrapped up a, a great news roundup where we spoke about a whole bunch of news stories from George Zimmerman mm-hmm. to GOP and the mm-hmm. conservatives and their craziness and immigration. Um, and we also touched upon um, the Boston bomber. Right. Yes, we did. So, <laughs> yes, we did. time to move on. Now, let's talk about this train crash, right? And again, guys, if you want to uh, call up, the number is 212-650-6903. Call us up, share your thoughts, or tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. So, if you have turned on CNN anytime this past week, then um, you probably know that a New York-bound Amtrak train was traveling at 106 miles per hour through a sharp curve that had a 50-mile-per-hour speed limit when it derailed last week killing eight people and injuring more than 200 others. Right now, the FBI is investigating, and they actually said that there may be evidence that indicates that the windshield of the train was hit by an object shortly before it derailed in Philadelphia, which may have in turn caused the engineer to be either distracted, frightened, or wounded just moments before the derailment. Um, So in the meantime, while the FBI and the National Transportation Safety Board continues to investigate, we know what our favorite elected officials have been doing. They've been turning it up in politics. So you have President Obama and the Democratic lawmakers on one side actively pushing to for additional funding to repair and update old rails and bridges. They have been using this as a t- as a, a opportune time to talk about how we need to invest in our country's infrastructure. It's for our own benefit. It's for our own safety. And we are way behind places like China and France. I came back from Paris, and I was so impressed by their train system. It came, like, every five minutes. It was quick. We were in Belgium in, like, an hour and a half. Are you kidding me? On the train. You it was even beautiful. You can't even get the Queens from Brooklyn an hour <laughs> and a half, man. You really can't. You cannot. You can't. From Harlem to Queens, it's like you hour can't. 45 minutes. can't do it. You really can't. So I'm just like, we are really, really behind. So then, um, so some elected officials, they actually argue that the derailment could have been prevented if the train track was equipped with a positive train control system that would automatically put the brakes on the train exceeding the speed limit. But Amtrak is um, they're slated to install this new control system by the end of 2015. So they're not done yet. And more than likely, they're going to miss this deadline. So that means all engineers will have to rely on their own knowledge and a piece of paper to tell them when to yield the train rather than sophisticated signals. I mean, we are in 2015. You should not be pressing a lever or, or, or uh, maneuvering a lever to, turn, to, to slow a train down. I mean, we're way past that in so many other parts of the, of the world. Apparently not here. So, uh, just moving on, uh, another argument that Republicans are making 
Uh, oh, so actually, before I even get to the argument, let me just add this. They voted, the House Republicans voted to reduce grants to Amtrak by $252 million. That's a cut. They just cut. And that would decrease the funding by about 15% compared to last year. So following the derailment, less than 24 hours later, they were like, we need to cut the funding. And then they argue that, you know what, this was human error. We've already invested millions of dollars into Amtrak. We can't afford to spend any more money into it. And whereas common people with common sense and people who are all for humanity and making sure that we're safe, they're like, even if the state of disrepa- uh, uh, disrepair of the nation's real work did not cause the crash, it's still reasonable to speculate that a better funded and maintained system could have prevented such a tragedy. And if we want to move forward in our country on, on safe rail lines, this is what we need to do. But you know our country, and you know our elected officials, they polarize everything. But before we go, before I go any farther, I want to introduce our very special guest who we have on the line, who happens to actually be on an Amtrak train as we speak. His name is Tom Zollner, Zollner and he can correct me if I'm wrong with his last name. He is a railroad historian, the author of the book Train, and an associate professor at English at Chapman University. Good afternoon, Tom. Good afternoon from Train 88. And so where are you headed to? I'm heading to Baltimore. And uh, just a housekeeping note here. Uh, let's hope Verizon coverage is good in this tunnel that we just went out. So uh, there's a little note on the infrastructure right there. Well, listen, the NSA's coverage is great, so they'll know everything that's going on. Right. We we just wrapped up a conversation about the NSA, and we're pretty sure that they are tracking it. So, so Tom, I wanted to start here. Is our lack of funding for infrastructure to blame for the Amtrak crash? No. Okay. It looks like uh, it looks like a couple of uh, a couple of kids were throwing rocks there in North Philly, and that's just I guess what happens there. So I don't know that you can uh, lay this at the, at the foot of Congress. You mentioned earlier, uh, Selena, the, the the cost of train control. Yes, it's ridiculous that we want that installment has gone quite slowly. So I wouldn't call it responsible, but it sure would have uh, sure would have stopped the train. Right. So from my understanding, when it comes to investing in infrastructure, it's something that has been a bipartisan issue uh, since, you know, for, for, for decades, for years now. And it just so happens that now it's being polarized where you have Republicans on one end and Democrats on the other end. Why have we been under investing in Amtrak infrastructure and our nation's infrastructure when it creates jobs for Americans and it also ensures our safety? How and why is it being um, underinvested and why is it being so polarized? Oh, Tom, are you still on the line with us? He may have went through that tunnel. I think we might have lost Tom going into that tunnel. Uh, is that him? No, no, I think we did lose him. But We may have. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, so we, let me... Um... We did lose him. We did lose him. But, um, okay, we got that under control, guys. But I, I think I'm going to jump in and uh, give my little expertise. I, you know, being a mechanical engineer by trade, I, you know, one of the issues that... Oh, wait, I think we got Tom coming back in. It looks like he might be coming back in. But one of those issues when it does come to infrastructure in this country is um, both the lack of general interest from the public as well as the lack of talent. I think that might also speak to, you know, Selena's question about how many uh, of the actual talented engineers and technicians who need to be able to service and maintain these infrastructure um uh, systems we we just don't have it you know it's very difficult to find uh very well skilled domestic talent who can maintain it um on top of that you know 
using using these these issues, these incidents, these hor- horrible accidents that have occurred as reasons to bring more money back home to districts for elected officials also seems to be something that comes into play every time something like this comes up. It, it, every time uh, you know there's an accident or an incident. I, yeah, I think we're getting a little feedback there. Just a little bit of feedback. But it's okay, you know, we're overcoming that now. But um, every time there seems to be an accident like this, you know, the elected officials use this as an opportunity in order to uh, maintain or rather gain sponsorship and funding for their particular districts. And it can it can really be something that trivializes the, the real tragedy as well as the necessity to look at this issue in a more concerned and more um, focused manner. But, um, you know, we're still waiting on time to get back in. And, and see if he can contribute something to the conversation as far as uh, what other issues we're facing here. Well, 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 Jason, you know, you bring a very interesting perspective because, as you mentioned, you're a civil engineer. By Mecha- mechanical. Civil me- guys are a little oh, different. Oh, okay. Mechanical, mechanical engineer by trade. And yeah. it's like, you know, when Tom mentioned that they uh, some kids happen to throw a rock at the train and then next thing you know, moments later, it's derailing. I mean, it just doesn't seem to correlate. Well, well, how know, does a rock throw off a train? You can see how that works. Well, I think what he... What he was speaking about is that the rock probably hit the windshield where the conductor was, and that obviously, like if you know, if windshield, uh, the windshield of your car is cracked, it's gonna, it's gonna surprise you. You're not gonna be coherent. It's gonna throw you off. I mean, a- according to all reports, the conductor can't remember anything, and that actually may be uh, part and parcel to that that particular incident. Maybe he either suffered a concussion from uh, um, being uh, thrown against the walls of the train. Perhaps maybe even one of those rocks might have actually hit him directly, though I think that would have probably resulted in um, severe injury. Um, Really, it just seems to be a lot of strange circumstances. This particular conductor was known to get on social media and Facebook and speak about how the uh, conductors are being driven to work excessive hours, how the safety systems aren't adequate. It really seems to be the convergence of a lot of strange coincidences here if all reports are to be taken truthfully if it really is just that this gentleman happened to have some you know disagreement or umbrage with amtrak with the system as it's maintained um he just happened to be going through north philly at a particular time and those rocks or whatever type of impediment came down um you know causing him to lose control of the train causing it to accelerate and you know go 160 miles in a 50 mile hour turn it just it's just a horrible you know convergence of incidences there's not really much we can do about that but right once again you know why is it that it's being taken to be a polarizing political issue because it's it's taken us away from the realities of what actually happened and i wanted tom do we have tom on the line cuz i wanted to see if he can answer that question for us Tom. Hey, Selena, can you hear me? Yes, we, well, we can got hear him you. Back. Great. So so we okay, got you back. Very okay. Good. I just stepped off the train in Baltimore so uh I can now uh, talk to you without tunnel interference. What you're talking about, Selena, that's a very old argument in, uh, in American history. What's the proper role of the federal government in funding uh, funding the uh, economic bedrock of this country? The, uh, the canals, the roads, the, the rails, this goes back to the 19th century. And uh, it's, uh, it's been polarizing ever since, uh, ever since that time. And and uh, the, the the New Deal is where it kind of came to a head. We're just seeing an echo of that very old argument. Right. And, guys, if you are just tuning in, we have on the line with us Tom Zollner. He is a railroad historian, also the author of Train. And we're speaking about the Amtrak derailment that just happened and the need to invest in our country's infrastructure. So, I mean, if it's always been 
polarized then how did we pass certain bills to get infrastructure in our country at certain time periods and why why can't we do that right now well uh, you got a tea party uh, faction in congress that just is opposed to anything that looks like higher taxes as opposed to anything that looks like uh, the government stepping in to uh, strengthen the economy in my view so it's not just a job creation thing this is also uh, the ways that uh, that businesses thrive. You know, you have uh, ways for people to get to work. You know, you have the accoutrements of a great society. We're now uh, 25th, by the way, in world infrastructure spending by uh, by many estimates. Um, you know, this condition of some of our roads and bridges is not only an embarrassment, but dangerous. Huh. And uh, those of you New York listeners who have flown into LaGuardia Airport, uh, you know, you can attest that place looks like a bus station. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. It's just a terrible front door. It, yeah. It's, it's it an is. embarrassment as one of the leading as the leading country of the world. It's like, why can't we get our airports and bridges and railroads together? Yeah, we're leading in prison prisoners. Yeah, but... we lead in prisoners and we invest <laughs> so much in war. But when it comes to just getting from place to place, it's our, our, our system is like crap. Tom, I know I read an article just yesterday discussing the gas tax and how it hasn't been raised since the 1990s. And that's a big reason for why we haven't been able to fund our highways and roads and bridges. And they say that, you know, it's, it's really falling behind. Do, do you see a future where we can raise the gas tax? And is that really the only source of revenue that we have for our infrastructure? Well, many of the uh, many of the interests opposing that come from uh, big Western states where uh, gas consumption is simply higher to get from place to place. And look, I don't think there's anyone listening to this program who necessarily enjoys taxes. You know, we just passed April 15th, and that's an opportunity for everyone to sit there and reflect on exactly how much of their income, you know, goes elsewhere. And you know, I think we should be right to not always love when uh, when our government wants to do this and that, and we should be skeptical. But uh, at the same time, we should also understand that uh, these uh, these things that are done for the public good uh, are there for a reason. And even if you're a conservative, there's reasons to love, uh, you know, a, a strong rail system. It, uh, it, it cuts down on uh, traffic on the highways. It uh, cuts down on carbon emissions. It, uh, you know, uh, reduces congestion time. Can you imagine a great city like New York existing without its subway system? It's no, almost inconceivable. No, you're absolutely right, Tom. So, you know, speaking of that, is there a way for us to repair our bridges and tunnels and our rails without raising taxes? No. If you want it, you got to pay for it. And here's here's something that I think always gets lost in the discussion is that conservatives in Congress, Republicans in Congress, even some Democrats are always insisting that Amtrak be profitable. And I think that's a huge red herring. Um, they're looking at it from a strict dollars and cents equation, you know, the fare box revenue. Uh, is going to uh, essentially pay for the labor, pay for the track maintenance. And that's just the wrong economic model to look at because there's so many externalities uh, that you get from having a strong uh, rail system. And, and fare box revenue is not supposed to pay uh, for that. Uh, I'd argue, in fact, that you're, if, you're, if that's the way your rail system is, you're stealing from your customers. You know, we want to present uh, good, uh, high-quality, low-cost, ways to uh, to move people around and this is what built the united states of america and, and uh we we can't keep looking at it as you know hey guys either make money or we're going to continue to cut your budget that just makes no sense in farm country they call that eating your seed corn mm. a lot of things republicans do make no sense but on that note <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to take a quick break tom don't go anywhere don't go under another tunnel um but we'll be right back after this break this is let your voice be heard
Hi, I'm Vinny B of the Vinny B Showcase. Tune in every Thursday from 8 to 12 midnight for some solid cultural roots music and some sweet lovers rock. Also, informative interviews and giveaways. Right here on the Vinny B Showcase every Thursday, 8 through 12 midnight on WHCR. 90.3 FM. Peace. Century. You guys we are, are back. Guys, you don't know how many conversations Jason and Selena have been having without me because they don't care about my thoughts. I No, I mean, I was just talking more about Jason's Illuminati background and how he's traveled the world. No, I have not hangs traveled out with the Jay-Z world. And Beyonce. The universe. No, not at all. Not at all. Actually, what we were discussing, if Tom is still there, is the proper pronunciation of his last name. And I said, based on my studies in German, I would say Zellner, but I don't know if that's actually correct. Tom might be able to correct us. You know, I've never been particular, but uh, I should tell your listeners that, that name really means tax collector in German. Okay, oh, wow. there you go. <laughs> so, so, for all purposes. There you go. Yeah, so, so Zelda would be right. appropriate considering the subject of this discussion. Right? <laughs> okay. It makes sense, guys. And if you're just tuning in, again, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard. My name is Selena Hill. I'm here with Jason Laligio, Stanley Fritz, and we have on the line with us Tom Zellner, who is a railroad historian, the author of the book Train, and associate professor of English at Chapman University, we are speaking about Amtrak, the Amtrak derailment that killed eight people, over 200 people were injured, and of course, this conversation has sparked a new, renewed effort to invest in our country's infrastructure. That means let's repair old tunnels, bridges, um, railroads, and regular roads and highways, and let's get our country up to speed with the rest of the world. If you want to call in, the number is 212-650-6903. You can also tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. I know Alyssa has been tweeting us a lot, and I will definitely get to her um, some of her tweets because she's been saying a lot of good things on Twitter. But um, before I do, I I wanted to sort of talk about how the country, like the sentiment of um, how the country feels towards infrastructure right now. It's sort of like we've lost our will. And if it wasn't for this horrible tragedy that just happened on Amtrak, we wouldn't be having this discussion. We sure wouldn't have been talking about it here on Let Your Voice Be Heard, as important as it is. And a number of people would not even be paying attention. So, Tom, what is your take on that? Why, why does it feel like the country's lost its will to invest in infrastructure? Well, we've been uh, through periods like this before where, um, you know, the essential, you know, front front yard or backyard or whichever you prefer, common spaces, you know, do fall into neglect. You know, uh, we've seen this before. Uh, we'll get through it. Uh, I do have hope for the future. It's just now a matter of fighting over the particulars. Right, guys. And again, if you want to uh, call in, the number is 212-650-6903. So Alyssa, our favorite civil rights engineer, I mean attorney, she tweeted us that shortly, okay, so she says on May 31st, the current transportation bill 
the Moving Ahead for Progress in the 21st Century Act of 2012 is set to expire. Shortly thereafter, the Highway Trust Fund, which invests about $15 billion annually, will run out of money to cover federal share of urgently needed roadway, bridge, and transit projects in cities and states across the country. Tom, can you speak to this bill, the Moving Ahead for Progress bill, and what's going to happen at the end of this month? Yeah, I can tell you that uh, stimulus spending and infrastructure spending really works best when interest rates are low. That's when the federal government really gets a bargain uh, on, on, on the public investments. You know, uh, at the depth of the, uh, of the Great Recession that we just had, you know, uh, that uh, Obama stimulus bill, as many have pointed out, Paul Crickman of the New York Times, especially vocal among them, but that stimulus should have been a lot bigger uh, because, you know, Treasury bills were down to uh, something like 1.5%. Uh, we, we would have gotten uh, an amazing deal. You know, we would have gotten a build-out uh, on the level of what happened during the civilian conservation corps of the new deal, and it would have left the United States in a much stronger position. But, you know, uh, the president was facing pressures to keep it low, and unfortunately uh, he didn't win that fight. Jason, did you want to? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hi, Tom. This is Jason again. Before we went to hey. the break, uh, we were talking about um, the business model that Amtrak is apparently working under where uh, government is constantly looking at it to become profitable, but at the same time when it, it runs in the red, they cut back the funding. One thing that, you know, I guess from I, I'm a mechanical engineer by trade, not, not civil, so, you know, there's a little bit of disconnect there. Uh, why don't we just have a nationalized, you know, rail system that seems to be the way that we can deal with both the issue of oversight as well as um you know getting rid of this whole profit motive because it seems that for for efficiency for all the technical reasons that you cited it would just be a lot smarter a lot more efficient just to say hey we need a national rail transit system the way we have a national highway system i mean any any two cents you can throw on that it'd be appreciated sure i mean uh you you have models like that that existed in great britain and in uh, Germany, and uh, they were not also models of efficiency, you know, so you get some uh, some give and take there. You know, a lot of the problems with Amtrak are rooted in the uh, 1971 law that President Nixon signed that uh, sort of created this kind of awkward little octopus. You know, it was essentially uh, the great carriers of, uh, of American history, like the Baltimore and Ohio, the Great Northern, uh, the Union Pacific, basically saying, all right, we're done with passenger rail. Here's our carriages. Here's our employees. Uh, hey, federal government, you take care of it. So we got an operation that, uh, you know, is set up kind of like a post office. Some would argue just as efficient as the post office. <laughs> so until you, until you get in and really adjust that uh, 1970 law, and incidentally, I'll tell you one thing that really needs to be enforced. There's a provision in that law that says freight trains, excuse me, the passenger trains, Amtrak trains, have priority over all freight. In other words, the dispatcher is going to prioritize that silver bullet of the Amtrak over any, you know, hot cargo full of coal or what have you. But that law is routinely ignored. And so uh, Amtrak passengers, some of your listeners might have had the experience being put on a side rail, sitting there for 20 minutes while, you know, a hot shot freight goes by them, and they're just sitting there, you know, uh, counting the hours. And uh, Amtrak's got a dismal on-time percentage, which is part of the reason why. More people don't take it. It's because, hey, if you're going to a business meeting, you've got to know that that train's going to be on time. Mm-hmm. And, and if there's a reputation for incompetence, forget it. You're going to lose your business. That's what we're going to Sorry, Jason, go ahead. No, that's that, that Stanley, like did you want to chime in? Yeah, I'm, from what I understand, 
we gave a huge like amount of money to like towards our infrastructure back in 2008 2009 pardon me when president obama signed the stimulus package i think around one billion dollars what oh it sounds like he's having an interesting time on a train so about i think one billion dollars or so what happened to that money did it we not invest it right did it get thrown away what's going on with that Split between Amtrak, and, which desperately needed it, of course, and then uh, the California High Speed Rail Project, which is down where I happen to live, and uh, that's uh, that's sort of proceeding slowly and fits and starts. That's a whole other can of worms, though. Uh, high speed rail. Incidentally, don't be under the impression that Excella is high speed rail. It's not. <laughs> All right, we definitely won't. So. But like, did like so? Did they invest the money? Like, is it was just not enough? What happened with it? Because I know a lot of people were asking that question. I saw a, a discussion about that earlier today. They were like, "Well, didn't we give them, you know, the infrastructure a whole bunch of money? It was supposed to create all these jobs and opportunities. Did it fail?" No, no. I mean, it did. It did what it could do, right? Yeah. And, and in a lot of respects, I feel very sorry for Amtrak. They operate under a kind of an impossible mandate. They're they're just caught between a rock and a hard place. And, you know, in this case, and I'm not trying to make any sardonic jokes, you know, they were really caught by a rock. Oh. Um, and it's hard to imagine what Amtrak could have done to have stopped uh, this individual from throwing a, what I presume was a rock at the, at, at the engineer. And just as a sideline, I mean, I've been kind of wondering, how do you even, how do you even catch the perpetrator there? I mean, are, are Philadelphia police just going to be, uh, you know, leaning on people to, to, to paddle on their friends? I mean, <laughs> how do you, you can't really dust for fingerprints, can you? I, I don't know. Well, yeah, that's something that may not be feasible, but one thing that is very feasible that we could do is install and invest in positive train control. We mentioned it at the beginning of the segment, but, Tom, I wanted to reemphasize it and to take it back there because this technology, uh, again, would automatically slow a speeding train as it enters speed-restricted um, areas. How 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 and why important is it for us to make sure that we make this 2015 deadline and don't miss it? We're, we're probably not going to make it. Okay. Uh, and, and why is? And can you mention also too? Why aren't we going to make it? What's what's going on there? Because uh, big rail, big freight railroads, uh, which are Fortune 500 companies. And I'm not trying to you know have a conspiracy theory here because if you're running a business, all, all your listeners who do run businesses understand that it's important to keep costs down. And uh, this is extremely expensive to install. It's a GPS technology that was developed in the European Union, uh, you know, uh, about 15 years ago. And, um, you know, it's, it's a safety measure, but it doesn't really add to the bottom line. So I do understand that point of view. But uh, I also understand more the traveling public's point of view that, hey, we don't want, you know, if the, if the engineer fails to engage what's called the dead man switch, which doesn't seem to have been engaged in this case, you're going to want something that automatically slows that train down in the speed-restricted areas. And uh, also, you're not going to want, but this is a whole other can of worms, you're not going to want freight trains loaded with North Dakota oil blowing up in your backyard. Uh, you guys don't have to deal with that too much with New York City. Thank goodness. Out in, uh, out in the Midwestern states, it's a huge concern. But you know what troubles me, though? We know there was a study that was done recently, and it says that in the next 10 years, one out of four American bridges will be in, like, in parallel like, shape, which means that a small incident could send it falling down. I know that there was a bridge, I think it was in Minnesota, that collapsed after a truck crashed into one of the beams. Correct. Uh, that was Interstate 35 that went down into the Mississippi River. That is scary. Yeah. What is? So, so are you telling me, like, that if this is true... Like, what, what needs to happen today to make sure that bridges are not falling apart in the next five years? 
Well, yeah. I mean, it requires doubling down. I mean, infrastructure spending, this is, this is a real problem. It's not sexy. You know, you don't get reelected to Congress by sitting there pounding the table for this issue. And, hey, constituents, we're all going to raise your taxes. You're not even going to be aware of what's being done with your money. You know, yeah. these are visible things. They're not glamorous. You know, they're not exciting, but they're absolutely necessary to get done. And, you know, your listeners in New York, uh, many of you drive over the Tappan Zee Bridge. I mean, that thing looks like it's about ready to fall apart. Yeah. You know, it was designed, if memory serves, it was designed to last no more than 30 years. And here we are, like, approaching the 75th anniversary, I think. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's got, it's got those tight turns. I mean, it just, uh, it, it looks like a piece of modern art. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> wow, Tom, that's a that's a heck of an analysis there. And I think that the project right now for the new bridge is about, what, $14 billion, but they're trying to figure out where to get the money for it. I mean, at the end of the day, it sounds like um, what we would need is something similar to the old, you know, New Deal programs, a real civil conservation program that would employ tens of thousands, well, hundreds of thousands of people, if not more, and, and really get them invested and involved in, you know, reinvigorating and revitalizing our failing in- infrastructure. That's, yeah, that's, that what, that's right. what I love to hear. My grandmother was a proud CCC employee, and it put her to work. It sure helped uh, develop uh, my hometown, Tucson, Arizona. Uh, but, Jason, I just don't think the political energy of the country is, is, is there with It doesn't us. seem like the political will to do what's right is, is there anymore in any case, Tom. I mean, it really seems as though too many of our politicians are are, are only invested in re-election and not representing the needs of their – the actual real needs of their constituents. They just want to get back in the office. Well, this is a great question for, uh, uh, for citizens to ask their, uh, their leaders. I mean, I, I, I suspect that uh, uh, the New York delegation is probably pretty good on this issue. But uh, certainly in other states, this ought to be right up there with, you know, with uh, with foreign policy and gay marriage. You know, where, where do you stand on this? Right. Get, yeah. on the, get them on the record. Right. That's exactly right. Tom, thanks again so much for calling in. Uh, we wish you safe travels as you continue to travel via Amtrak. Please let our listener know, listeners know how they can get in touch with you and also pick up your book. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. Uh, my Twitter handle is Tom Zollner, Z-O-E. L-L-N-E-R, that's end is in November. Please feel free to uh, tweet me any questions you like. Uh, my book, uh, sorry for this point plug, is called Train, uh, Riding the Rails that Created the Modern World, from Trans-Siberian to the Southwest Chief. I rode all the way around the world on trains, and I learned uh, a massive amount of information on this marvelous means of getting people around. But even though it's, uh, it's not in the shape it needs to be in the United States, it still is just a wonderful uh, way to travel on. Uh, listeners, if you have not taken a train uh, outside the New York uh, subway system, get on one. You're not going to regret it. Wow. Thank you so much again, Tom. Um, I just wanted to, to wrap things up just to reiterate some of the points that were made. Jason, you did a great job in just closing it out a few moments ago when you said the political will is not there. Our elected officials aren't invested in trying to restore infrastructure. Um, it's it's more about politicizing everything, either trying to get Obama out of office or trying to make sure that they remain in office. And we just do not see uh, an, enough resources and enough effort and energy going toward this issue but the hot button issues like same-sex marriage and like uh, police brutality and accountability these sexy issues that have a lot of cutesy well not cutesy but have a lot of really important hashtags and are buzzworthy this is where our, our our country's effort and energy is going towards rightfully so I mean, I'm the first one to advocate for all civil rights issues. We need that. But let's just talk about what's 
what's tangible? How are we going to get to Baltimore? I mean, a lot of us are protesting and want to <laughs> get to Baltimore and want to go to Ferguson. How are we going to get there if yeah. our airports are run down, our buses are, are run down, the roads, you know, you just talked about the, uh, the Tappan Sea Bridge, which is looks like it might collapse. I was going to just say, yeah, you want to take that road down I-95 to Baltimore. That's a I heck do of a that. trip. I'm telling I you. I do that. I do that. Yeah. I, I definitely travel to Baltimore on that road. And it's, I don't want to not feel safe. And again, I do support and I do commend everyone who is putting energy and effort towards this, but we need to do more. We need to make sure that we contact our local representative, our officials, our, our representatives in Congress, and let them know that we don't want to die on a trap and sea bridge. I don't want to get on a train that doesn't have the positive train control system installed and have to feel unsafe when they need to make a sharp turn. This is wrong, and we need to make sure that we are 100% informed and aware and know that we have a voice in this and we can push them. The elected officials are not going to do it themselves they especially in the republican party they're saying let's cut the funding whatsoever but we don't want to cut our lives short so i mean it's pretty much like very matter of fact here this is what we need to do to make sure that our country is safe because no one is going to do it for us um and on that note we are going to take a quick break but when we come back stanley aka stan the man will be dishing out the quickie right here on let your voice be heard How do you spin with your hands up? If you watch the video, easy. it's yeah, easy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Jason you guys are being bullies. I, I, do, I do it every day with my daughter. You know we what? spin with our hands up. I drink whiskey with my hands up, actually. <laughs> yeah, we do that, too. Have she don't drink whiskey. Yeah, she drinks she, milk. I drink whiskey. Yes. You see, whiskey is good for your soul, but you got to know how to drink the whiskey. Guys, we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. We have talked about many things today. We talked about Amer- America's falling and failing infrastructure, where in New York City and in New Jersey, we have elected officials that would rather cause bridge delays to get back at someone they don't like than actually fix the bridges that are falling apart. We also talked about the NSA, where you guys actually care more about who sees your nude pictures than the fact that the government can track every single phone call, text message, FaceTime that you have ever had, and it may not necessarily be in your best interest. And now we are closing out this show with a very interesting story. Now, for those of you who are running in the 80s, and I was not really around, I was a child, I did not become someone who could think or speak critically until maybe 92, 93. I think I was what? six years old. I don't know. I don't remember, guys. That's a funny way of phrasing just, it. Just work with me. That's, that's, that's bigotry, Selena, what you're doing to me. <laughs> but um, Ronald Reagan, when he kicked off his campaign to run for president the first time, he talked about this welfare queen. And he said this welfare queen, she is a woman, she has properties and all, all over the U.S. And she has a job that pays her over 50 grand a year 
but then she's getting money from the government in Chicago and she's getting the money in Milwaukee and she's getting the money in DC and she's taking your hard earned hard earned money and using it to live the life of the best kind of scenario where you don't work but you collect money and you just exist and you enjoy it and since then we have been on this crusade to destroy the welfare queen we cannot let people mooch off of us because we all know that it is a hundred percent unfair to give people money for stuff that they're not doing when others need it we know it's totally unfair to give people subsidies to make their lives easier when they are taking advantage of the system. So we attack all those people who are taking advantage of the system. Or so we thought we did. Because obviously Ronald Reagan was talking about black people and poor people and women and gay people and all the people who are historically underrepresented. Because Ronald Reagan, in case you didn't know, had a very serious problem with people of color and anyone who wasn't white or rich. Jason, I see your face, but you know it's true. <laughs> Comment reserved. Yes. So now we come to 2015 and we still have this welfare queen. Ronald Reagan's goal failed. This welfare queen is not who you are thinking. If you are thinking of a stereotypical black woman or a Spanish woman or an LGBT person, you are absolutely wrong. If you are thinking about a black man who is going to college, getting financial aid, that is not the welfare queen that we are talking about. If you are thinking about someone who maybe is getting welfare and paying their rent and their mortgage and going out to the club, you are 100% wrong. That is not the welfare queen that we are talking about. We are talking about the true welfare queens, corporations. And I'll tell you what I mean. So The Guardian, which is a newspaper based in the UK, came out with a story in which they found out that a proposed Shell petrochemical refinery in Pennsylvania is in line for $1.6 billion in state subsidies, according to a deal struck in 2012 when a company made an annual profit of $26.8 billion dollars so they made a profit of that much money and they were going to get an additional 1.6 billion dollars and as we all know shell petrochemical refineries are not good for the environment we also know that pennsylvania's water has been grossly contaminated because of hydraulic fracturing and other climate issues and we know that pet shell petrochemical has not been what you will call the leading group when it comes to clean energy and things that will make our world safer and cleaner we also know through this article from The Guardian that ExxonMobil's upgrade to its Baton Rouge refinery in Louisiana, in Louisiana is benefiting from $119 million worth of money from a state subsidy. This is a deal they got from the Louisiana government, Bobby Jindal, in 2011, the same year they made $41 billion in profit. Meanwhile, New Orleans is slowly but surely sinking into the ocean. But hey... Who was paying attention to that? And we also know that we have a serious unemployment problem in Missouri. We also, I mean, Louisiana. We also know that a lot of the places, including the infrastructure, are grossly underfunded. So we know this is happening. And then we know a job subsidy scheme worth $78 million to a marathon petroleum in Ohio began in 2011 when a company made $2.4 billion. If you don't know what that means, it means the government gave them $78 million to hire more people, to pay more people. Even though the company made $2.4 billion in excess income. That's not how much they made and like they broke even. This is how much money they made in excess. So if they spent $100 million, right? They made, and that's how much money they spent to do business out there. They made $2.4 billion, which means they're not struggling to afford these things. And I'm saying this and I'm telling you this because what we are seeing is these large corporations who are destroying our environment, who are taking advantage of the system, who are telling you that they cannot hire people because the economy is so bad, are making record profits. They are destroying 
your neighborhoods. They are contaminating your water. They are having huge oil spills in the Gulf in which the water is never the same again and you poison all sorts of sea life and creatures and you've destroyed it an entire industry for people are getting tax subsidies off of your back. And then they're telling you that you're lazy and that you're the welfare queen and that you don't work hard enough because that $2.4 billion just isn't enough for them to go to sleep at night. Selena? Jason, you're our oh designated <laughs> corporatist. Uh, corporatist, Republican, I, everything that... <laughs> what do you say to this? How do you defend well, this behavior, see, you know, Jason? The is so strong. You, you can't put me in that, that, in that role because I'm not going to defend okay. that behavior, but I am going to give an explanation for that behavior. Ladies and gentlemen, your politicians are corrupt. They don't represent you. They represent the people who give them 10000 20000 100000 Whatever the amount of money that is donated to their campaign finance fund is who they represent. So at the end of the day, if you want to know why Marathon or Shell, Dutch Shell or God knows whoever, Petroleum or Corporate or whatever entity is doing something you don't like, look at your elected officials. They are the people who are ultimately accountable. They pass the laws. They pass the regulation. I'm just the guy walking around with money. It's up to you, the legislator, to do what I would like you to do. Yep. In this country, that's not called bribery. That's called uh, political donating. Or business as usual. Or business as usual. So or guys, our version of democracy. Yes. Yeah. Well, you can call it anything you want, but I'll tell you one thing. The welfare queens are not the people living in low-income communities. They are not the people who need a little extra help so they can get through the day. They are the people who are making billions of dollars and still collecting money from the government. And you should be mad. So the next time you're frustrated because you got taxed a lot and you're mad because you know someone else is living on a high hog because of <laughs> the work you did, look at Shell. Look at Exxon. Look at BP. Look at Enron. Look at all these companies. Companies who take your money then poison your waters because they are the real welfare queens. But guys, we have got to go. It is oh, time for we, us to leave the studio. We left on such a negative note. Thing. Hey, this I'm is, angry. This is the life that we live in. You should be angry. You should be pissed. You should call someone. You should scream. You should sign a petition. You should do whatever you need to do because until you say something, until you stand up, these companies will still do what they do. And even after you do all those things, they'll drop a couple of extra dollars and they'll still do what they do. Be prepared to fight for a long time. I just sent an email and signed a petition against Marco Rubio. I'm going to be doing more of this. Well, he doesn't know how to read, so he'll never see it. So, guys, we'll be back next week on Let Your yes, Voice Be Heard. Until then, I'll believe you with some positive music to make you happy. Thank or maybe you. not. Bye, guys. Bye.
Hi, this is Sister Virginia Cotton, and I'll take you to that place every Tuesday morning from 6 to 10 in the a.m. on the Gospel Legends program. We'll lift the Savior and take a trip down memory lane. How far back will I go? Tune in on Tuesday morning, WHCR 90.3 FM from 6 to 10 in the a.m. And don't forget the website. That's the three W's dot WHCR dot O-R-G. I'm so excited. ¿Sabes una cosa, papi? Nunca olvidaré ese día. El miedo en mi garganta, la tensión en mis manos y la emoción que sentía hasta que me caí de la bici que me diste en mi cumpleaños. Y lo que más recuerdo es cuando me levantaste, me abrazaste y el dolor se me quitó. Luego solo sentía el viento en mi pelo y mis pies que pedaleaban a mil por hora. ¡Lo logré! Gracias, papá. Nunca se sabe cuáles recuerdos son para siempre. Por eso, toma el tiempo y hoy sé un buen papá. Para información, marca el 1-877-432-3411 o visítanos en www.fatherhood.com Mensaje del Departamento de Salud y Servicios Humanos de los Estados Unidos y el Ad Council. No se acordarán si las panquecas se quemaron. Si los chistes no fueron cómicos, si el avión de papel que les hiciste no llegó a la luna o ni siquiera llegó al otro lado del cuarto. No van a contar las veces que les contaste la misma historia a la hora de dormir o mirar atrás y pensar las veces que los colores se salieron de las rayas. No, en su mente todo fue perfecto. Todos tus lanzamientos fueron strikes, el sofá siempre fue la mejor casa de campaña y los cucuyos que atrapaste en la botella de cristal alumbraban más que cualquier luz de cualquier tienda. Cuando tus hijos miren atrás, no se acordarán de las imperfecciones. Solo se acordarán de que estuviste allí. Los momentos más pequeños pueden tener un gran impacto en la vida de un niño. Toma el tiempo hoy para ser papá. Llama al 1-877-432-3411 o visita fatherhood.gov. Traído a usted por el Departamento de Salud y Servicios Humanos y el Art Council. It's never too early to get your child thinking about their future. But where do you go for little or no cost help? At Harlem Educational Activities Fund, otherwise known as HEAF, you can get your child started on the right path. This nonprofit organization offers programs and activities for children from the sixth grade through college. Programs include academic advisement for both students and parents, preparation for specialized tests, college workshops and tours, and summer enrichment camp. Familiarize your child with the benefits of higher education today at Heath, located at 2090 